If you have been with us recently, you know that we have been working our way through the life of Jesus as told by his disciple Matthew in the book of of Matthew. And last week, uh, Jesus did some amazing things. That is, he slept. And while he was asleep, a huge storm came up. He was sleeping in the boat. A huge storm came up, and uh, his disciples despaired for their lives, that they would, were going to die, that they t- woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. And Jesus' response was to say, why do you have so little faith? And he told the wind and the waves to be quiet, and there was a great calm. And his disciples said, what kind of a man is this? What kind of a man is this? And so we talked about what kind of a man is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? This Jesus that did all kinds of of teaching in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, explaining what the kingdom of heaven is like and how one might come into God's kingdom. And so that the people marveled and said, he teaches with such authority. This Jesus who did all kinds of miracles and healing of people, restoring their bodies, giving giving sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, that that he strengthened people's legs and caused them to walk again. And people marveled, saying, who is this that can heal like this? And then who stands up and quiets the wind and the waves so that his disciples say, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. And we said that, that this is He is the one that we hear of in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the one by whom all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is who Jesus is. Way, way back at the beginning of time, he created all things, and he created all things for his own glory, and continues to uphold them by the power of his word. And this this Jesus came to enter into his creation as a man to walk among his people because there was brokenness in the world. The kind of brokenness where people go, I'm going to do my thing. And everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Everybody just sort of goes, yeah, you know, I know that God created everything. I know that God has authority over everything, but I'm going to just do my own thing. And there have been beings nearly from the beginning who have rejected God's rule. They said, no, God, I'm going to do things my way. And this is the kind of attitude that they have. Isaiah 14, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. 
you said in your hearts, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. There have been beings from the beginning who have said, I reject God's rule and I myself want to rule myself. And then not being satisfied with that, decide they want to rule others as well. And we are seeing that play out all around us. As people are trying to take power and authority unto themselves. And we see this, that in the way back, Satan said, I, I want to be like God. I want to have people worship me. I want people to bow to me. I want people to submit to me. And so, he has tried to do that with some great success in convincing people that they should reject God. We saw that in the beginning, right? In the garden. The serpent talks with Adam and Eve, and and he doesn't come right out and go, you know what, you should come worship me. I'm way better than God. Instead, he just sort of twists the words of God, causes them to not trust what God had told them, to not trust that God has what is good in mind for them. And he leads them astray, out from under God's authority, toward their own authority, and ultimately, hopefully, to his own. In fact, these these kinds of tactics, whether it is uh, a, a, a fear, trying to cause people to submit through Uh, the use of fear, or whether it is deception, these tactics have been used uh, throughout history in trying to get people to uh, turn away from God. So that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, even if our gospel, that is the good news, even if our good news is veiled, hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, there there were people, there were beings who were trying to keep people away from God, to get them to leave God, abandon Him, and and go to their own thing or come to and serve Him. And as Jesus now is walking through this world, and as he is doing these teachings, as he is performing these miracles, as he is calming the sea, then the disciples are going, okay, and what next? Who is this? What will we see him do next? And this is what we see happen next. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. When he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, Two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs. They were so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? 
Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into that herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. So Jesus has been in the boat with the disciples. They were crossing over to the other side of this this lake, this small sea. They're they're going over to this other side, and when they get to that other side, to this area of of the the Gadarenes, it says that two demon-possessed men met them coming out of the tombs. These these men had uh, demonic influences. They were demonized. We don't know exactly what that means. Sometimes we try and quantify that, qualify it, and you'll go, okay, so when somebody is demon-possessed, it's this, and when they are demon-harassed, it's that, and when it, it just says demonized. In fact, pretty much throughout Scripture, it's just demonized. Demons were bothering them, harassing them, controlling them, bothering them, influencing them. There was some sort of demonic activity that was happening around this person. And these two were apparently significantly influenced by demons. These two men came out and meet him to meet him. They were coming out of the tombs. They were living like in a in a graveyard. Already I get kind of this weird, eerie feeling about this. Like it's just kind of this makes me uncomfortable. That that here you have have Jesus coming to this side of the lake, and he comes to this um, not real populous place. It was a little bit more desolated, and there's the, this, these tombs here, and it says that uh, these guys were so fierce that no one could pass that way. So there were not a lot of people around. Jesus and his disciples land the boat. They get out. I don't know why this place. It seems like it's simply to have this interaction like, Jesus knows about this, and he just comes to, to just come to this place. A lot of times when Jesus is going away to a desolate place, he's going away to pray, right? He's going away to a, a place where there aren't a lot of people around to bother him, and he's going there to pray. But here he comes to this place which is renowned. It's renowned for, for not being able to go safely by there. You're familiar with places that you've been told, don't, don't go there. No, it's not safe. For one reason or another, it's not safe to go there. So just, just avoid that area. It's not a good idea to go there. This, this uh, area of the gatherings had that kind of reputation. Everybody kind of knew that there's these guys living in the tombs there, and they are nuts. It's crazy out there. Don't go out there. The, the last guy that went out there, he got beat. Don't go out there. It is not safe to go out there. They were so fierce that no one could pass that way. These two guys that were, that were uh, demonized were, were out in that place. And so now this is the setup, right? 
This is the setup. Matthew is, is setting us up for this new story, and the way that he sets the table, sets the context, is that Jesus has now arrived in this place, and it's this weird place where there's nobody really around there, and there's these tombs, and these two guys come out of the tombs. These two guys, uh, these two demon-possessed men that are so fierce that no one wants to go this way, they come out of the tombs. And, and so now we get to the story, and, and Matthew says, and behold. And behold. And now look. Look, that's what he's saying. Now, now look, this is what happened next. I was talking with uh, Pastor Scott. We were talking about this text and, and preparing to preach it, and he goes, it's like Matthew, every time he says, and behold, he's saying, surprise! And surprise, this is what happened next. Bet you weren't expecting that. And surprise, and behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? What are you doing here? Matthew's like, surprise, they knew who he was. You know how many people have been asking, Who is this? Who is this? What kind of a man is this? And Jesus arrives at the other side, and these two crazy, demonized people come out, and they go, you're the Son of God! That is a surprise. I wasn't expecting, of all of the people Jesus has had, had interactions with, of all of the devout Jews and scribes and teachers of the law, all of the very prominent religious people, all of the, the centurions and uh, public figures that Jesus has interacted with, and all of them going, wow, this guy is amazing. Who is this guy? What kind of a man is this? And he shows up here and here these two demonized guys go, why are you here, O son of God? They recognized him. They knew who he was. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Imagine with me that, that you've uh, taken a trip, you, you've gone to Vegas, there's a show or something there, that you're, you're going there and you, you uh, are there for that show, and as you're going along, you see an FBI friend of yours going into a club. What are you, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? I mean, you're here in Sin City. There, there, you could have a valid reason for, for being here in Sin City, but what are you, you're going into a sketchy... What are you doing here? Are, are you here to make a bust? An FBI agent in, in Vegas going into that kind of an establishment? Is, is something going on? Are, are you here to... What are you doing here? Why are you here right now? These, these demon-possessed men are going, hey, hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing in a place like this? Son of God, ruler of heaven, what are you doing here on earth? What, what are you doing? What are you doing not only here on earth, but what are you doing over on this side of the lake? 
There's nobody here. I, don't, I can't think of any reason that you're here except to interact with me. What, what are you doing here? There's a little bit panicking. Here, these, these demon-possessed men, these demonized men who have been so fierce that nobody dared to pass that way, they were so dangerous, now are trembling because they're, they're, that, that's, that's the Son of God right there. What are you doing here? Why are you here right now? Have you come? Have you come here to to torment us before it's time? Isn't that interesting? They know. They know they're going to lose. They know that they are going to lose. They know that Jesus is going to defeat them, and they're going, but it's not time yet, Jesus. It's not time. You can't make a stop yet. But they're terrified of him. Have you come here to torment us before the time? In Colossians chapter 2, Verse 13, it says, and, and you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That's the thing these demons are afraid of. They know that Jesus is going to win. They know that Jesus is going to defeat them. And they're going, but not yet. But not yet. Not yet. Don't, don't do it yet. It's not time yet. Is it? It's not time. It, no, no, it's not time yet. Why are you here? Verse 30. Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you do cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. These guys are chatty. Jesus hasn't even said anything yet. Jesus showed up got out of the boat, these guys came out and started yelling at him. Hey, what are you doing here? Why are you here? We know who you are. You're the son of God. How come you're here right now? Have you come to torment us before it's time? It's not time yet, Jesus. Don't torment us yet. No, it's not time yet. You can't torment us. Okay, if you torment us, if you're going to send us out of this, you're going to send us out of these guys, right? You don't want us to bother these guys anymore. Don't, don't, okay, okay. If you're going to send us out, send us to those pigs instead, okay? Don't, don't send us. It's not time to torment us yet. It's not time to destroy us yet. It's not time to completely defeat us yet. So just, if you're going to send us out of these guys, can you send us somewhere else? Those pigs, those those guys, could we go to the pigs? Go. That's the only word Jesus says in this whole thing. You know what kind of authority that is? 
Here's these demonic influences have been harassing, bothering not only these two guys, but this whole area is afraid of this location because of this demonic, uh, demonic activity. And Jesus doesn't have to say anything. They acknowledge his presence, they acknowledge his authority, and they make a request, they beg him. We're guessing that you're going to throw us out of these guys. Will you send us there? And Jesus has two letters for them. Go. That's amazing. That's amazing. And he said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs. There are times when I need to know that Jesus has this kind of authority. There are times when I don't feel safe. There are times when it feels like everything is out of control. Everything in my life, everything in somebody else's life, everything in the community, everything in the world, it just feels like everything is out of control. And yet, when Jesus shows up, he has complete command over the situation. Whether it's some kind of illness, or some kind of natural disaster like wind and waves, or some sort of spiritual, evil, demonic activity going on, Jesus just walks in and has a couple of words, stop, be healed, go. No debate, no arguing, no defending, no legalese, no negotiation. Just Jesus saying, this is the way that it's going to be. And he said to them, go. So they came out and they went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank and into the sea and drowned in the waters. The whole herd. The demons left those guys, left that area, and went and harassed those pigs to death. Quickly. Because that's what they do. They are these destructive forces in the world. And, and sometimes we see and know exactly what's going on, and sometimes we don't. And yet, they are there. They're there in hiding. 
just causing problems behind the scenes. And there are times when there are things that are going on, and I go, is this demonic activity? I'm not sure. And I am just comforted to know that whatever the root cause, whatever the spiritual situation that's happening that I don't understand and can't see, Jesus has authority over that. I think that in our Western culture, our very rational mindset, we um, tend to dismiss spiritual activity for other things. We, we come to different conclusions. And I think that there is more spiritual activity that is happening and influencing things than we recognize and admit. But I'm not going to get up here and try and explain to you or tell you or act as though I know when and where that kind of spiritual activity is happening. I think that it is constantly happening around us, and I don't see it and, or understand it most of the time. But I believe that it is there. And I believe that it is important for us to understand that when we encounter it, we not be afraid of it. We, we don't need to be afraid or avoid an area or a people or something like that because it seems out of control or dangerous to us. Because we have a Savior who has the kind of authority that He can say, go. I don't have that kind of authority. I don't feel comforted because now I can walk up and be like, go. That's not my power. That's not my authority. But I know that I am protected, overseen by the one who has that authority. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and drown in the waters. And the herdsmen fled. And going into the city, they told everything, especially what happened to the demon-possessed man. They went into the city and they were like, hey, so this thing just happened. You know those guys out there? Well, we had our herds. We weren't like right next to them. We were at a distance, but we could see what was going on over there. You're not going to believe this, but this guy showed up in a boat with a bunch of friends, and he got out, and those guys came out just like you'd think that they would. They came running out, and we thought they were going to attack him, and we felt really got bad for the guy in the boat, but when they came running out, they just started yelling at him, and then all of a sudden, he said, go, and everything was peaceful over there. Those two seemed fine with him, and the Pigs ran into the sea, and all the pigs are dead, because that guy with the boat said, go.
they, told, they went into the city and they told them everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And this is just the kind of response that I would expect. It's just, I mean, this has been happening to Jesus everywhere he went. He would go and he would do his teaching and everybody would go, this is amazing. Have you heard this guy? And everybody would flock to hear his teaching. And he would do healing and he would, would uh, do all kinds of healing and people would talk all about him. And they'd go, have you heard about this guy? And they would flock to him so that he could heal them and they could see all of the miracles that were being done. And now here he is and he shows up and these two renowned demon-possessed men are there and Jesus gets rid of the, the demonic activity that was influencing them and the whole town turns out to find out what's going on and this is what happens. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. What? Really? Why, wouldn't, why would they do that? I mean, I, sure, the pigs died, but those, these two guys, like, it's safe to go through there now. You, no one could pass by those tombs before because it wasn't safe. And those two guys that used to be uh, terrorizing the whole neighborhood, now they're, they're sane and in, in their right minds, they seem fine. What? And it, it just costs some pigs. And so as I was, was thinking about this, and I was thinking, okay, why, why was this their response? I was, I was thinking, okay, what if, what if on Parkway, between, uh, between like Al's, and Costco, what if on, on Parkway, there was just like a whole tent city, all these, all these homeless people were, were there, and you, you had uh, all of this like um, mental health issues were there, and, and all of this um, addiction was there, and, and it, it wasn't safe to go through there at all. And so those of us who are in Wilsonville and around Wilsonville, it'd be a little bit inconvenient. We wouldn't, we wouldn't take Parkway. You know, if we were trying to get around Wilsonville, we'd go around Parkway. But there's not really that much out there anyway. There's other ways to get around. And so we would just sort of go around that. And now, now what if Jesus showed up? And in this place where everybody knew, you, don't, you just kind of avoid that part of town. Don't go there. What if Jesus showed up and just undid all of it? No more mental health issues. No, no more safety issues. Cleaned up the whole thing. No more addiction, no more crime, just like that, done. But in so doing, when that happened, now uh, there's a power surge. And the local businesses lose equipment, they lose food. So Safeway's like out of food. The restaurants in North Wilsonville, pff, nope, out of food. Everything just spoiled, gone. What's the story that's going to be told about that? Is the story that's going to be told about that, hey, wow, Jesus cleaned up that whole area and healed all those people, and so now it's safe to go up and down Parkway? 
Or is the, the story that gets told in the Wilsonville spokesman going to be, Jesus comes, local economy ruined? What's the story that's going to be told? How are you going to hear it? How are you going to understand what happened? What kind of a man is this? And they come out and they go, look, we don't want any trouble. Please go. Please go. The demons begged him, if you're going to cast us out, can you send us into those pigs? And now the people come out to meet him, and they're like, can you please just go? We, what I, it, impressive, yes, we don't want it. We don't want any of that here. Please leave. Please leave. What kind of a person has that kind of authority over demons? What are we going to do with that kind of a person? What are we going to do with Jesus? There are times in my life where things are not the way that I would like them to be, but they are normal to me. So I just find it comfortable. And I'm okay just hanging out in that, and I don't really want it to change. It might get better, actually, if it changed, but I'm comfortable with it as it is. Jesus has authority to radically change everything. He shakes up the status quo. And I think sometimes when we're reading through the Bible, we read these kinds of stories and feel like somehow this was normal then in a way that it isn't now. That it was, it, it, it was you know, these people, this was a long time ago before they had the kinds of modern understanding of things that we have now. And so uh, it wasn't weird to them. Guess what? It was weird to them. It was weird to them. It was weird to them that he would come and teach in the ways that he taught. It was weird to them that he did the healing miracles that he did. It was weird to them that he had authority over the wind and the waves. It was weird to them that he was healing people and freeing them of demonic activity. It was weird. It was just as weird to them as it is to us in reading it in a modern day context. That's why every time he did these things, everybody would go, who is this? What kind of a person is this? I just, I wonder, what would the response be if suddenly Jesus showed up in Ukraine and said, everybody stop? The whole world would go, what? What? Who is this? 
that commands armies and tells them to knock it off? Who is this that has authority over kingdoms and nations? Who is this? This is Jesus. And one day, he's going to do exactly that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Do you know what's coming? This. Jesus is going to reign and he is going to take all authority and he's going to put an end to all the wars, to all the sin, to all the suffering, and even to death. This is the authority of Jesus that we are looking forward to. This is what's going to happen. As of now, Jesus has come and he has died on the cross for our sins to set us free from the things that hold us fast. Those, th- those small authorities that are uh, making us fearfully submissive to them, that are deceiving us into being submissive to them that are influencing us in some way so that we will be submissive to them. He sets us free from all of that so that we can just be honoring to him. But one day, he's going to come back and he's going to just say, and everybody knock it off. I'm tired of this. I have been patient and now it's over. And it will be over. It was the thing that the demons at this time were afraid he was doing right then. Wait, wait, wait. It's not time yet, right, Jesus? It's not time yet. So what do we do? We who know Jesus who has come, we who know Jesus has this kind of authority, but we're in this place where we're waiting We're waiting for that time when he will come back and he will make all things right and he will assert his authority over everything. This time when it seems so hard to wait because the world is so stupid broken. What do we do? Colossians chapter 2 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition or according to the human uh, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. 
And having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, the one who raised him from the dead, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He has disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Here's here's the short of that. Verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Don't be deceived. Verse 15, He has disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over, him, over them in him. Don't be deceived. There is no authority other than that of Christ. We need to put our minds on him, set our minds on him, honoring him, submitting to him, worshiping him, living for him, proclaiming how great he is, That's what we do from now until he returns. And there will be attacks. There will be challenges. Some of those challenges will be physical. Some of them will be emotional. Some of them will be relational. And some of them will be spiritual. And some of those physical, relational, or um, emotional challenges will be spiritually influenced. And we'll see it. And sometimes they'll be spiritually influenced. And we won't see it. So be prepared be prepared. Ephesians 6 tells us this, in the Lord and in the strength of his might, and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And you should read the whole thing, but I want to focus just on verse 16 to 18. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We must give ourselves to prayer and trust in Him. And there are times right now when it is hard to do that. But this is what we are given to with the great comfort of knowing that the day is going to come where he will come home, come here, and say, now everybody knock it off. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to acknowledge in this place that you have authority over all things. As their creator, you have authority to say yes and to say no and to say this is how it must be.
And so, Lord, we confess to you this morning that there are times when we ourselves rebel against your authority. We don't trust your goodness. We believe in our own wisdom and think we know of a better way. And so for that, Lord, we ask, would you forgive us of the sin of not submitting to your authority? And then, Lord, we see the brokenness that is around us. We see the influences of sin. We see it in friends and family members. We see it in our communities. And we see it in this broken world. And we ask, how long, O Lord, must we wait? How long before you will come back and make all things right? How long until you will come and put an end to this pain and suffering and strife and death? Lord, you have been patient and we are grateful for your patience which has waited for us to uh, come to you and ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, we pray that in the interim between now and when you return, many, many more would submit to you. That they would repent of their sin, that they would give up their evil ways, and that they would submit to your authority. But Lord, we are getting tired of waiting. And so we ask, would you come quickly, Lord Jesus? Amen.